OddCert would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record this podcast. We pay respect to elders, past, present and emerging, and any First Nations people listening today. We also want to acknowledge that these lands have always been places of learning and sharing of information, and that is the essence of this podcast. Welcome to the OzCert Podcast. Share today, save tomorrow. I'm your host, Anthony Caruana, and for this episode, I'm joined by Garrett O'Hara and Amy Holden from Mimecast. We'll then get an update from my co-host, Beck, and OzCert's Mike Hong about their take on the changing face of cyber resilience and what 2022 has in store for OzCert and its members. We look forward to bringing you the best of the Australian cybersecurity industry with fascinating insights, great stories from the field, and lessons you can take back to your workplace to better protect your organization's critical assets. Hi, Amy and Garrett. Thanks for joining us today. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got into cyber? Maybe we'll start with you, Amy. Sure. Uh, so I've been a marketing professional for about 15 years and was working actually in the fitness industry and found that I was doing you know a lot of marketing and operations and wanted to try something a bit different and not be pigeonholed into that sector. So I started working in business intelligence about eight or so years ago and then jumped over to Mimecast five five years ago and haven't looked back. So where are you? Are you based in Australia or in the US? or In Melbourne. I've been in Australia for 11 years now, but haven't lost any of the accent. You lost a bit probably. <laughs> cool. And what about you, Gar? Yeah, so six years in cybersecurity. I've been in tech for about 20, so you know, kind of a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, one of those people, you know, did development, did project management, did a bunch of different things, and then, like many people, just landed in cybersecurity, and I feel like I've yeah, definitely found a home. Cool people, interesting stuff to be doing, so yeah, six years in. And it's interesting, because you both come from not cyber-educated careers, you know, you haven't gone like and done a cyber degree or anything like that, but you brought all these non-cyber skills in how has that gone with you know if you found that that's actually been a more valuable perspective than coming in as being i'm the cyber person and that's it definitely i feel like there's a i've heard that from quite a few people actually the the ability to bring things from other fields other areas is so so valuable different ways of looking at things and different sort of backgrounds for me it's it's been useful and but i also kind of acknowledge that there's a ton of stuff to learn and you know that first year or two was like drinking from the far hose <laughs> still is to be honest with you many days it feels like there's just so much to learn but yeah i think that that sort of broader background has helped what about for you amy i mean you've come from a non-technical non you know non-it technical mm-hmm. background you've got like the fitness industry is probably almost as different yeah because it's more you know it's outdoors it's not hiding in a hoodie in a dark room and yeah. you know all those kinds of things it's quite a different world you know what are, what are maybe some of the things that you brought from that past career into this that you thought that have been really valuable well I look back at, at those companies and you know we had very lean security and IT teams that I worked for and we actually used to print off phishing emails and like laugh about them and post them up. And now like being in a security company that filters out phishing emails, it, it is yeah, quite quite humorous to reflect. But I think it's, it's quite common in the industry. You do find there are people that have seemed to have done it forever, but then there's also a lot of people that you meet that had really interesting and, and different backgrounds. So obviously taking all those different experiences you've brought along and the things that you've learned since you've been inside Mindcast, how important do you think it is for people to actually share that information, you know, for cyber leaders to take the advice and the learnings they've had from everywhere and bring them in? 
Yeah, well, I've actually been privy to be part of, through through marketing, organizing a Cyber Resilience Executive Roundtable with Mimecast. And it's been incredible to hear the community and the CISO community share like their challenges and giving each other tips and tricks. And, you know, they've said they need that and they're hungry for that. And they need someone at their level to help troubleshoot and just to know that they're not alone and they're facing similar mm-hmm. challenges. I would imagine even through your own podcast, the Get Cyber Resilient Show, Garrett, that you know, you're talking to potentially people who are almost in competitive organizations or, you know, if not direct competitors, certainly in other tech companies that, you know, probably have a bit of overlap with what you guys do. But do you find that everyone's really willing to share information and really be open about their war stories? Yeah, I definitely do. And I think that's changed is one of the things I'd see has happened over the last few years. I mean, the theme of the, the conference this year is sore. And part of that is that we all kind of have to work together and realize that, you know, Moncast is one part of a solution. So is Palo, so is CrowdStrike, so is Netscope, you know, all these different companies. Weirdly found myself at these conferences almost spending more time with people from the, you know, air quotes competition. But, you know, really, we're not we're not direct competitors, I don't think, anymore. We we sort of realize that we, we sort of have to work together. Um, and that's there's, there's a lot more frenemy activity isn't there 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. i mean the people we go for beers with you know at the conferences it's the it's the other vendors quite often you know it's it it definitely has hit that point i think the collaboration side of things we can't not do that like it's too big a problem to think any you know single technology solution is going to go in and solve it and the reality is let's be honest from a, a customer perspective like they want to see that collaboration from the vendors that they're working with mm. so you know we're, not that we wouldn't do it anyway but we sort of have to even if we didn't want to I mean, and you've spoken to a lot of different sorts of people on that show. You've talked to CISOs, authors, academics, psychologists, CEOs, security practitioners, you know, because it's a security thing, I guess. Mm. You've got to talk to some of them from some time. Yeah. You know, what have been some of the big insights that you've taken out of that? It, it sort of depends on the, the, the type of person, you know. So the, the CISOs will definitely have the, the business lens on and there's some cool things that I've, I've started to see there. A lot of it's around kind of communication and the navigation of politics within organizations you know let's be honest you, you got to sort of make your uh, your friends your security advocates and, and get buy-in for programs and then with the sort of more technology type uh, folk i think one of the big things is the uh, two things actually consolidation you know sort of how do you get fewer things but doing more and then the automation component is just huge you know, that's definitely been a, a massive part you know listening to some of the talks earlier like there is this drive to automation, you know, lower the F to, uh, the meantime to respond, to detect, how do you do more meaningful work as a SOC analyst? And I think the tech vendors, we all have that in mind, you know, how do we part, be part of that? Um, and then the academics and, you know, the doctors and those kind of, you know, not medical doctors, but, you know, doctors of uh, cybersecurity, they tend to, to have, I suppose, more kind of thought leadership type stuff. And they're kind of looking, you know, five years ahead, 10 years ahead. So yeah, it really depends on the type of person. But luckily, the, the themes are consistent with within even those different types of people, if that makes sense. Like, I think we're all kind of on the same page for the most part. I mean, and for you, Amy, you, you come at this from quite a different background. What's been something that you've brought from your work history that, you, that you've found has been really valuable in cyber that perhaps the cyber people didn't realize was valuable, you know, coming in as an experienced marketer? Yeah, well, I mean, the way I kind of think about with, with marketing, like you're you're addressing a pain point and, you know, you're, you're kind of advertising that or, you know, using that pain point when you're going to market and, and talking to prospects. And I mean, for me personally, like coming in, 
you know, I think, you know, in fitness and in business intelligence that there's, you know, obvious pain points and, and needs to address. But then coming into cyber, it becomes a more worldly pain point. And I really like like that collectiveness of, you know, like Gar said, it is such a big issue that we're all fighting this this fight together. So I think like that's what I've taken, like the biggest the biggest shift of kind of that next next level of kind of like saving saving the world in, in cyber and, and kind of going to market with with that approach and you know making such a, a big difference at a community um, level than than at the individual level like that I previously worked in so has there been something from your time working at Momcast and looking at the security industry is there something that you there was a bit of a wow I never really understood that or never really saw that kind of element? Is there something that's really surprised you about being in that, having come from a different background? Yeah, I think there's a, a mix of kind of, I think like security at Mimecast in the organization, like it just, it just works. So I've gotten to work at companies where it, maybe the security wasn't as tight. So being on both end, ends of the spectrum, like I actually, you know, worked at a, an organization where we're getting a lot of phishing emails through. So, you know, got to experience that firsthand so I can relate to to that pain point and I suppose you kind of you bring that customer perspective because effectively you've yeah. you spent a lot of your career as the potential customer yeah. and understood that pain and you can bring that in to, yeah. to Mimecast in a way that perhaps the developers don't see because they're so focused on their software side of things they're kind of you're bringing the human side into that more yeah yeah so tell me, out of some of the insights, and you know, obviously, Amy, you've listened to every episode and every minute of, of, the, yeah. <laughs> of the Get Cyber Resilient podcast. What kinds of key insights and themes have you both picked out that have come out over the last year or so? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and you know, being relatively new, you know, five years to the, the industry and on the marketing side, there's, there's been a lot to learn. And I think the podcast has been a great way to, to you know, pop on at the gym and consume some information. But for me, I think through all of my interactions and the podcast confirms this, it is, I think, the two big pieces. So culture, like creating a culture where everyone is cyber aware, people feel safe to, to report an incident, like rewarding reporting. Like there, I've been in discussions where people have you know, said, oh, like maybe maybe the CISO should, should be penalized, but we need to create that, that culture of no, then other people have come back saying like, no, I think like they need to they have a really hard job and they also like need to feel safe to to report what's 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 going on but also there's that that broader collaboration piece and that everyone just seems to want to share um, their insights and, and help each other and there is that that wider fight of fighting cybercrime and the, and the baddies together and what about for you guys what have been some of the big things that have stood out I'm gonna sound like such a you know hippie here and, and full of love but like the that uh, the openness of sharing wisdom and you know which sounds all you know high fluting but it's kind of a cool thing i think that people will jump on and spend an hour talking about stuff and their perspectives and their insights so that you know weirdly it's not necessarily a you know thing you can go and do but it's there's something really nice about that that sharing that collaboration i, th- I think there's so many different opinions and different ways to to approach cybersecurity and or cyber resilience depending on, on what you want you, you want to describe it as the, the one conversation that really stands out to to me and it's probably a function of me kind of getting more interested in policy and the politics of this stuff, which is, you know, it's become a kind of national conversation now uh, and also international, let's be honest. But Joe Carson was on. He's the, the chief uh, security scientist for the Hycotic uh, Advisory CISO. Um, and he talked about Estonia and cyber resilience at a national level. 
And I just, you know, one of those conversations where your brain is just kind of like <laughs> exploding because things he's saying, and you're like, I never really thought about that before. You know, cyber resilience at a national level was just fascinating to me. You know, a country thinking about what happens if we get attacked. Cool, let's go set up DCs somewhere else and make them, you know, embassies. So you essentially you know, get data sovereignty, but also data resilience and stuff like that. I, I, you know, those kind of things are just fascinating to me. And that's actually really interesting because how far are we off stopping not no longer talking about cyber sec we kind of going to go towards cyber res like do you think that people are going to stop talking about this as a security problem and mm-hmm. and really actually embrace that this is a resilience issue not a security problem so i do right i think the the term cyber resilience has been around for a few years and i think what maybe it felt like at the start was we're just trying to do some new you know it's, it looked great on a brochure mm. but what does it really mean and then when you when you sort of talk to guys like Joe Carson or or really any when you think about back of the conversations over the last year, it actually is resilience. And I think what I'm seeing is the shift away from cybersecurity and you know you, you sort of said the, you know, the guys in hoodies and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. not that anymore. It's mm-hmm. it's a business function. It's a business enabler. It's the thing that lets you go faster rather than slows you down. And the bad guys. It's a business. A hundred million percent. Yeah, that's it. And that's not going to change, right? I mean, I had a conversation last Friday, Dmitry Alperovich, if you know him, the, the sort of founder, co-former CTO for CrowdStrike, and asked him about that exact thing. Because in my head, I'm thinking, well, if, if we made it really nice in other countries, would people not want to do ransomware? Would they not want to do the scams? And, and he kind of brightly called it out and said, actually, let's be honest, that's never going to stop, right? Mm. If you can make money, there's always going to be people who will want to use whatever means they can to make millions of dollars through things like ransomware, which, you know, it's gotten to the point where, wow, I mean, the ransomware is just off the dial at the moment. And that's, you know, one side of it. And then what about the nation state stuff? You know, the things that were happening back in December where, you know, we have to have this this conversation, not just enterprise or government, but it's, it's an Australian problem. Like, we really need mm-hmm. to think about this stuff. You know, the critical infrastructure bill that's going through at the moment, like, that stuff is so important. Yeah, and I guess it's you know you have to go back and answer that. It's the it's an old question, isn't it? Why do bad guys rob banks? It's because that's where the money is, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, the yeah. same thing for cyber yep. criminals. Is why are we going to do cybercrime? Because that's where the money is. Yep. You know, when we talk about that resilience question, it, some people say if we're going to be resilient, it means we're almost giving up on the security because it's almost like we know the bad guys are going to hit us. So it's not about stopping them from hitting us. It's about reacting when they do. How do you manage that message within businesses? You talk to a lot of clients, and obviously you're out there talking to a lot of potential customers of Mimecast. How do you kind of massage that conversation so that they think about it's not one or the other, I guess. You've, you've still got to have your, your, your moats and drawbridges, mm-hmm. but you also need someone on the inside of the gate to make sure that things are you know, not going to go pear-shaped on you. How do you kind of have those conversations? Yeah, I think again in the marketing world, we're definitely talking about both um like you know you need to have the perimeter but then also to have a a plan if something does go wrong and what's the what's the response and you know what's the the continuity look like and you know how will you react there's a thing i would say about this which is and i've thought about this a lot actually COVID as a sort of an analogy for cyber security and it's the it's the same thing right i mean we can do all we could have i should say done so much to set up organizations set up the infrastructure, the sorts of things that we probably knew we were going to need because how many experts have been talking about a pandemic that was coming, right? It's not like nobody should be surprised that COVID is happening. And we've actually gotten pretty lucky, you know, with the sort of effects of it. 
despite how <laughs> serious it's been. And it feels like resilience is sort of the same in my mind. It came out of the conversations over the last year. The organizations that had that resilience mindset or you know that, that sort of philosophy for their organizations, they were in the cloud. They were doing sort of user-centric security, zero trust. They were doing a lot of those things that you know we kind of talk about in the industry. And then when COVID hit, really, it just meant, cool, like just, yeah, connect your Wi-Fi, but you're fine. <laughs> like everything stays the same. The organizations that were, I think what I would call the, the security philosophy or mindset, you know, it is the perimeter. Come to the place, and when you're in the place, then you're safe. Man, they, they just struggled so much. And, you know, COVID is one way that the, those organizations could be impacted. But to Amy's point, what about ransomware, which is so, so common now? Like, if your data gets nailed, like, like what's your plan? What's your, and not just your, your, your technical controls, what's your people? What's the processes you've built if the, you know, the primary system's not available? Like, you know, air traffic control. I got a buddy who does that back in, uh, in Ireland. And uh, it actually scares me sometimes having these conversations because, you know, you think you're in these big tubes in the sky and then, you know, lovely guy, but uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> worries me sometimes. But he talks about, you know, when their primary systems go down, they can go back to weirdly paper-based systems with strips and they have a way to make that work. It's, it's analog, it's not digital, but they know how to do but that. It works. Um, and I think that's the thing, you know, is thinking about resilience is, is ultimately, it's almost back to what you said. It's an organizational mindset. And I think it's, it's less, it's less a cool thing to do and it feels just more like we have to be thinking that way these days. One of the things I want to find out from you, Amy, is obviously like Mimecast has been at Ossert. Well, I mean, I've been coming to Ossert for about, I'm thinking at least 10 years, possibly more. And I think you guys have been here almost that whole time. Why come back? Like, what's the value for Mimecast in being a part of Ossert each year? Yeah, it, it is a, a really good conference from, a, I think, a community perspective. It seems to be the perfect size. It's the same people that are here every year. And Mimecast is, we're presenting and we're sponsoring coffee, but we don't have a, a stand this year. And we've had a few people say, like, why aren't you, why aren't you, why don't you have a stand? Like, where, where's your swag? Um, so they said, it feels like a, a missing, a missing piece of the conference. Um, so I think we feel really at home here and there's an excellent vibe. There's so much talent as well. So this, because we're not, I'm not having to be at the stand. I'm, I'm actually getting to, to see, you know, what these experts are saying and sit through some of the, the talks, which has been a good experience for me. So I think, yeah, we'll, we'll keep coming back for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. it, it it's maybe the consistency, you know, the, like it's, it's almost like an awesome TV show where the characters are the same each year and <laughs> they've sort of evolved. Like Adam Spencer is the, you know, that kind of, you know, that, so, that so hang on. So you're saying this is like friends is yeah. Adam the Ross. Uh, or is he the Rachel? Oof, that's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good question. But yeah, like it's it's the, I mean, again, to sound like a hippie, but the vibe is just awesome. You know, it's a it's a cool location. The talks are generally really, really good. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something yeah. about the, 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 the it vibe. Kind of, or... It does punch above its weight. When you think about we're in a relatively small country, mm. we're far away, but we get great international speakers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a huge draw. Yeah, the, the, and Tammy's new, that. The, the word talent is that it's that you know you get to hear like very very insightful commentary you know and, and really start to think about like what's next and what's the next 12 months look like so yeah it's definitely like it's one of those for me it's like a mental milestone in the calendar it's like one of those things that i know sort of sets up the next 12 months and yeah i don't know i love it or excellent so last question and this will be interesting because you both come into the world of cyber security or cyber resilience in a in quite different pathways what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into cyber security and cyber resilience as their career how would what advice would you give them to them starting out maybe if you want to start with you amy yeah i would say well first of all definitely pursue it it's um, an exciting industry it's always changing 
there's a ton of opportunity. There's so many interesting people to learn from. So let's say get stuck in. Do, do listen to podcasts. There's so much information to learn, but don't be intimidated because there's so many roles needed and people are crying out for people that. And that's actually one of the really interesting things, isn't it? Because when for some people, the perception of cybersecurity and cyber resilience is that it's a highly technical, you know, it's a, you know, almost like it's a coder or an analyst kind of role, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, and, and there's so many roles, you know, people that have you know been pharmacists in our industry, they, they've had the right attitude and mm. you've know, gotten the right training. So don't be yeah intimidated by, you know, if you haven't studied cyber, like there, there's a lot of different roles within this industry that mm. you could be a good fit for. And what about you, Gar? What, what sort of advice would you offer for someone who, who's thinking about a career in cyber and wants to get started? Yeah, I think yeah, teams would get started. You know, one of the questions I ask in the pod is often like, how did you get to where you are? And unbelievable how windy that road is for so many people. You know, they, yeah. they come in from you know, so many different backgrounds. I think that's the thing. It, it does feel like you're drinking from the fire hose at the start. I definitely, I mean, I was pretty technical. I was, you know, one of those kind of hardcore coder dudes and, you know, mm. was sort of knew the, knew the tech stuff, but then... You seem to have recovered. I, I have, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm reasonably normal again. I certainly smoke less than I used to based on uh, getting a developer. But the that 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 initial phase is it can feel overwhelming because you know Risky Biz is one of the podcasts I love listening to. Like that that to me is like it's almost the Bible. You know, I listen to that every week. Then they they just do such an awesome roundup of the news. And I remember when I started listening to that, most of the time I was listening was googling what they were talking about and okay, what does that mean? I haven't heard that slang before. And then over the course of a couple of years, you start to kind of know and you mm. get into the rhythm of it. So I think, you know, those kind of podcasts, Risky Biz, Darknet Diaries, there's a bunch of them, right? You're, you, you have podcasts, there's, there's so much you can learn. And I think it's a, it's a great format because you can be doing other things. You can be doing dishes, you can be running, and you've got a way to kind of consume information at that same time. I mean, there is the, call it the academic route, things like CISP certifications and those ways where you can, you know, sort of Formalize. more formally learn mm-hmm. and which I think is something that I'd now look at as worth doing you know I've done some of that stuff and I've definitely learned a lot from that and then the last part is just reach out to people you know as an industry people are just ferociously kind in my experience it's amazing when you you ping somebody on LinkedIn and say hey you know do you know this or any any kind of ideas people are just amazing they'll mm-hmm. come back and they're helpful and so I would say yeah if you're starting out don't be afraid to connect with people and you know I think mm-hmm. generally you know people who've been around for a little while be happy to go for a coffee and talk you through the options and you know how to get connected and you know i think that's that's maybe another thing thanks very much guys for your time really appreciate it yeah thanks for thank you now it's over to the team from ozcert ozcert's business director beck cheb chats with mike home about some of the exciting new developments coming from everyone's favorite cert thanks anthony it's great to be back for the new year of 2022 and another podcast episode today i'm joined by the lovely mike home how are you doing today mike hello beck great to be here I'm really excited to get back into this. I kind of missed having a little break um, from, well, I enjoyed a break from work, I have to admit, but it was, yes, me it, too. it felt strange to have a break from our catch up on, on the podcast and, and talking to our mm. lovely friends of Osset. I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. We are in the ramp up to conference mm. mode, so it's really nice to hear from Amy and Garrett, and that was recorded during last year's conference. And so it's actually get, getting me a little bit excited, which is probably good because we're right on on track for you know the call for presentations closes mm. at the end of this month so get those in yeah but i'd like to visit a, a few of the topics that they um discovered there because i think it's really nice to put our little assert perspective on some of those so yeah i i know you and i have spoke a lot about 
a layered approach to security mm-hmm. and and also collaboration that's one of our topics that we yeah. you know so I, I was really yeah. pleased to hear that come out of them you know did you want to talk more yeah, about that yeah yeah look I think over the years like I mean I've been in this now many more years than I'd like to admit when when I was first in it of course it was IT security and it, it was literally a department labeled IT security so you were part of the IT department and actually I used to get into a lot of trouble because I, I saw back then, I guess, that it wasn't really about information technology. It was about information and it was about collaboration with all of the business units of the place that I worked in. And I, I'd get into trouble because I wasn't prioritising, you know, the IT department. I was out, you know, working with, um, I don't know, the, the fraud department or the, the marketing department or something like that because it, it needed to be that layered approach. And you need them to sort of see your point of view by bringing it to them and, and showing them the benefits of actually working with security rather than you know going against it. So back then it, w- it was IT security. And then I remember when it changed into cyber security and a lot of people were quite offended by that. A lot of people thought, you know... I can still see the faces of the analysts in our team when we became the cyber emergency (laughs) response team, and they were so horrified. There was a lot of pushback (laughs) on that. And, and, you know, even for quite a few years, I had a slide in a a PowerPoint deck, you know, if if I was asked to present anywhere, and it was a picture of the Cyberman from Doctor Who. And, you know, the meme was, you know, it's not cyber unless it's the Cyberman in Doctor Who. But what that actually did, it it actually made sense. So the world suddenly started to see it as it's not IT security, which is part of the IT department. Therefore, it's under the, you know, general manager of IT, the the CISO or uh, sorry, the CIO back then or whatever. It's actually out in the business. So cybersecurity became a business problem. Sorry, a a business thing. There's no such thing as a problem, only (laughs) solutions. It became a business thing rather than purely IT. So I think what's happened, and and it's very interesting for me to watch this because I, I, I was one of the very lucky people, I think, that had some excellent mentors back in the day. And, and I'm talking over 20 years ago now, so it's a long time ago. I had some mentors that drummed into me from, from day one. This isn't just about IT. It's also about a thing called business continuity or disaster recovery or enterprise continuity management or any of those buzz phrases that were around way back then. Those all tie into resilience. So like we, we've just heard a whole bunch about you know cyber resilience and i think this to me this is just the natural evolution of the world sort of catching up to the fact that this is it's really it's definitely a business thing everyone needs to think about it but there's a whole layered series of, of things that you need to do to get to that point. So the fact that we're all out talking about it means it, it, it'll happen. It does feel like an evolution. It feels like, yeah, we're, we're all on this journey. And I think like most things that happen in cyber, things are always changing, always improving, always discovering new things. So it kind of makes sense that even the label for cyber is also doing that yeah. to itself. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that path continues. I, I also do like that layered approach to security about not just going to one provider. And, you know, like I, I know that we've had that a lot from our members, you know, and from a customer perspective, sometimes you think if I could just deal with one person, mm. that would make my life so much easier. Right. Yeah. But it's so dangerous to have all your eggs in one basket. So 100%. it's really great to hear that different providers are collaborating, that are sharing. And that's what we've always tried to do here at Ausset. We've always yeah. gone, you know, we're not we're not a vendor, we're non-threatening, please work with us, <laughs> let's share. We all know that everyone's using different products and there is actually, you know, there is room for so many different solutions 
for oh, everyone to be totally to protect themselves adequately yeah. right 100 percent. and like you say we've always focused on that but i think what's refreshing is to actually see that the rest of the ecosystem is also doing that now as well we we started to see a really decent shift i reckon maybe about five years ago when a CTI sort of became a, a bit of a buzz phrase, you know, obviously we'd been dealing in that for quite a while because that was, you know, the search bread and butter. It would always provide you intelligence so that you could actually prevent rather than, you know, having to mop up a problem later. But at that point, that was when everyone was sort of talking about it and they were saying, well, hang on, I've got a solution from, well, Mimecast, for example, or, you know, I've, I've just gone and bought a seam, so I've got Splunk or, or something like that. So how does Ossert's intelligent intelligence fit into those vendors solutions and that was when we suddenly saw a real shift from from just about every vendor that we approached and they would say oh you, you want to you want to help our customers who are also your mutual members you want to help them get Ossert's intelligence into our product on their premises or in their cloud or whatever. Ah, we get that. Okay, cool. This is the process that we follow. You know, do you have standard sticks format or, you know, can you give us uh, a feed so that we can reverse engineer it and, you know, feed it into our system? So we saw that, you know, happening about five years ago and I thought that was a real shift from that competitive, you know, no, you will not you know, encroach on our space. We have superior yeah. products, yeah. <laughs> and, and look, no one can possibly say that they've got the best product in the world. There are, you know, it's, it's a multiple, you know, one size doesn't fit all sort of thing. So where I see this going is everyone's going to sort of fall into a natural equilibrium because there is such demand and there is such demand for diverse products, services um, and training. So one of the things that we're trying to do is uh, give you that sort of rounded, not one size fits all, but certainly try and pick as many points of that sort of rounded ecosystem. So if we can give you training and if we can sort of train you in the things that aren't being sort of provided by some of the, the big training providers out there, but they might be things that are just a little gap in your environment, say risk management. You know, we've, we've got a very good course, uh, one day course on risk management by a, a, a very good friend of Osset, Gary Gaskell, who runs that course. And, and that one there will just give you a one day well-rounded understanding of what cybersecurity risk actually means. So that's not necessarily something that some of the big training providers are, are offering, but that's something that we offer because we saw that there was that, that gap in the market. Same sort of thing if you go to the other end of the scale. I mean, that's that's the preventative you know, training preparedness side, resilience. If you go to the other end of the spectrum where it's the skies on falling down, the roofs on fire, that sort of stuff, incident response has always been something that we do. But there are so many incident response providers out there now, and many of them are providing, obviously, a retainer so that you know boots on the ground can actually come into your environment. Now, that's not something that's scalable for someone like Ossert that's got an office in Brisbane. We might be able to do it for a Brisbane customer, exactly. but it's just not going to work. So we're, we're sort of doing things that are, I won't say that they're neglected by the, the vendor ecosystem, but they're things that that the vendors may not necessarily want to play in. Like for example, just run of the mill malware analysis. Okay, you've got a team of people that can probably do that in your environment, but they don't necessarily have time to do it all. They may not have the tools, you know, like on-prem sandboxes, that sort of stuff. So under our membership agreement, you can just ask one of our analysts to do it. And that's, you know, that's just something bread and butter for them. They can do that with their eyes shut and they love doing it. So that's something that 
out of that that vendor ecosystem where you know maybe that isn't something that the vendors want to do we're doing that and you know it's included in your membership so why wouldn't you do it so that whole resilience sort of thing we're hoping in 2022 that you know our little contribution to the cybersecurity landscape that'll just fit in nicely with everything else that's going on there and you as as members customers you'll be more cyber resilient as a result it actually does make me reflect on david stockdale's opening during the conference where where he pointed out you know cyber criminals are all collaborating Mm. our industry has to be collaborating from the other side so it it makes perfect sense and it gives me actually that little bit of hope that we're we're getting closer to a bit more coverage and and a bit more of a a strong net there between our industry yeah yeah totally first time ever it's great to see this sort of stuff happening i guess we're we're really talking about communication you know mimecast podcast is a is a great resource and we, you know, have kicked off our podcast journey last year and that's Yay. something that we're continuing. And it's a great way to communicate, but you know, we are talking out to the to the ether here. So I just wanted to sort of touch on communication because I think it's definitely something that is so important. Yeah. So important. Yeah. I I can't stress oh, yeah. how how it changes our lives, right? But you know, we've got so many ways that we can communicate with members and and you know, I think Mike and I do lean towards the ones that are a bit more interactive, to be honest. But, <laughs> but of course, you know, you've got your emails that are coming out from us. You've yeah. got Adia. We can review your bulletins. Do I mention them? Daily um, Bulletin Digest now. Exactly. So you can wrap all your bulletins up into one daily digest if you want. Also want to make sure that people are remembering about Member Slack because that's a oh, great yeah. interactive tool we're really enjoying. Yeah. Um, and look, it's also a nice release. Like it, yeah. it's a great spot for like going, oh, help me, has anyone done this or has anyone seen this? But there's also some really great camaraderie in there and um, shout out to Dean Bull from SciTech because you are amazing yeah. in, in sharing and, and member Slack and we all look forward to Wednesday due to you. We've got our training, which has really been ramping up. So we did mm. um, some great online sessions late last year and we'll continue those for the first part of this year and some new offerings will be coming out there. So be watching that space because that's been really popular. Yeah. And of course, we're leading into 2022 conference. So I am so looking forward to a a new normal, inverted commas, (laughs) where we might get to see everybody back at the start and have a a bigger audience yet again. So yeah, there's so many ways that we like to communicate. And you know, Mm. Mike and I are are missing out on coming around the country. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we miss our member meetups. We've been talking about this a lot lately. We'll we'll have to see if we can figure out a a, a way to do it. But hopefully we can see everyone at the conference. Yeah, conference will be our first big hooray for the year. And then hoping if things can get to some sort of idea where we can travel a bit more, we'd love to pick up our member meetups and and get back face-to-face to to having some more chats. So I'm really excited about that too. But don't forget, you can give us feedback anyway. You don't have to see us face-to-face. Always open for a chat. Phone, Slack, email, whatever. Yeah. So (laughs) I guess one new thing that we will be um, doing in the first part of this year is that we'll be doing some member forums. Mm -hmm. They will be online. But yeah, so be watching for some invitations for that. We're really keen to get some really structured feedback from our members. Yeah, that's really what we're, we've been missing over the last two years with, with this lockdown or not lockdown, whatever you want to call it. And we've, we've had a lot of discussions internally about where 2022 will go from an operational strategy point of view. 
and they're the things that we really want to just touch on with members and say we're planning on doing this what does everyone think of that and you know it's not too late to fine-tune it or or you know look we only do this for our members right the feedback loop is so important (laughs) there's no no point doing it unless you guys like it so (laughs) yeah awesome yeah well i i think we're in for a a really fun time and hopefully we'll see what 2022 brings us but i'm why not i'm excited about the possibility me too (laughs) great all right thanks for joining me mike thank you thanks for listening to this episode of share today save tomorrow the osser podcast Thanks to our guests, Amy and Garrett from Mimecast and the team from OzCert. We'll be back each month with new guests and a look into the Australian cybersecurity scene. If you want to know more about OzCert, please be sure to visit ozcert.org.au.